the thing is memes i think represent a democratization of graphic design and it's all about relatability right i make a meme and you find it funny because then that subject is something we relate on hi you're listening to design this way and i'm kaval obroy today i have with me shivanella perumal Shiva is among the new generation of designers who are genuinely interested in the past, the present and the future of design in India and that can be seen in the type of work he does. He is a type designer, an illustrator and a graphic designer. He likes to take a research based and process driven approach to design with a generous hint of intuition. He has interned as a graphic designer at Grandmother India and at world's largest independently owned design studio pentagram at pentagram he was a part of abet miller's team he has also worked as a type designer with indian type foundry lost type and typothek he has designed multiple commercial fonts mostly for the latin script in 2014 he received the certificate of excellence from international society of typographic designers and in 2015 he received the catalyst award from the society of typographic aficionados his masterpiece the font calcula has been a topic of discussion and debate on a lot of design blogs and publications and he just turned 26 years old yeah i know that that's crazy well on today's episode he talks about his journey as a designer He shares his experience of being mentored by Tal Lemming and how it changed his life. Sorry Tal, I have been pronouncing your name incorrectly while recording this episode. Now I know it's Tal and not Tal Lemming. Please pardon my Punjabi accent. Shiva also talks about his experience of interning at Pentagram and other events that shaped his design career. On today's episode, we also talk about variable fonts, branding via type, font names, research and experimentation. We talk about Indian identity and many other important topics like memes. Now I present Shivanella Perumal. Shiva, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kaval. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's talk about your childhood. Yeah. As a child, you were fascinated by narrative art like cinema and comic books. What was it about comic books that you found uniquely exciting? Uh, I don't know. So, comics was probably the first visual thing I've ever seen uh, because my parents were huge comic fans. Um, they loved Tintin, Phantom, Mandrake. You know the Indrajal comics that was available, and um, And yeah, so my dad would read me those at night, and I just grew up with the idea that stories are said in this narrative way with illustration and dialogue. Um, so the aspect that there is a relationship between visual and words, you know, as simple as that—the fact that you can bring emotion and speed and all kinds of things into this, uh, into the characters, into the art—and you can. you know show what they're thinking with different dialogue boxes uh, all of this kind of all these visual symbols like these are all visual symbols like those lines for speed the the thought bubble versus the dialogue box versus the shouting which is like the sharp so all right. of this was like really fascinating to me like how how do i know that he's screaming 
you know mm-hmm. even though nobody told me that okay this symbol means that he's screaming but mm-hmm. you just do and that is what is most fascinating to me that nobody needed to explain the meaning of these visuals to me and yet i got it as a child with no exposure to anything so i think graphic design is all about that uh if we have to explain sit and explain graphic design as okay this is why i did this logo i think it fails mm-hmm. so as a kid did you draw or paint as well yeah i was drawing a lot so the reason i got into uh design school is because i used to draw a lot what kind of things were you drawing back comics then? always just comics. illustration comics i was never into superheroes um I, i don't know why i just never got into it i was more interested in the more matured comics like sin city and uh, villeisner and uh, all that kind of stuff and i used to do a lot of research so my my father uh made a deal with me when i was a kid that you know if you want to buy books you can get whatever you want but no video games like so i used to you know as a rebellion i'd be like okay i want to buy the most expensive book but uh, and the most expensive books were these huge comic books that were like amazing that i've never heard of and right. it really paid off um so i got to know a lot about each con- like there were a lot of countries that produce comics like japanese comics are there belgian comics of course we know and this taught me a lot about their countries and what it 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 might have been amazing even like building your own visual vocabulary back exactly. then if exactly. you think about it without consciously thinking about this stuff you know yeah. without ever knowing that i want to do this yeah so yeah i used to draw a lot i used to copy a lot in the sense of what i see i tried to draw that mad yeah. comics was a very big yeah influence. mad uh, had a kind of content that a kid shouldn't have <laughs> i know <But> yeah. <laughs> and i never understood most of it like in the sense uh, there were a lot of political stuff like we used to get a lot of old mads yeah so the kind of uh, things they had for us political scenario exactly Yeah. So I mean there was this uh, during when I used to read mad the whole Monica Lewinsky Bill Clinton uh, right. thing happened and there were lot there was lots of content about that but I didn't understand anything but the drawings was what I was most intrigued by that oh my god that looks exactly like bill clinton you know right. and I used to pull parallels with because in Tamil Nadu in the magazines the caricature is a very big thing so mm. there are amazing caricaturists like uh, Madan for example he's a cartoonist very famous and in tamil magazine i used to see that he did the same thing with our people you know uh-huh. he's doc karnadi and jayalalitha were just simple strokes and you could see them right and right. Uh, that to me was like wow so i had okay i wanted to be a comic book artist i wanted to be a political caricature guy so i just you know this was my world basically so do you see hints of type design and typography in those sketches that you made uh so i always i mean i didn't know type was a thing till i came to college but type was a very big part of all these comics like um don martin for example he's a mad comic artist and he's very famous for his sound um, um visualizing sound like with words like you know bloop and bam and all this right. and he used to do this very typographic like crazy lettering to show uh, when someone falls he's like this crazy lettering to show that the sound and um, so all of that really influenced me the logos of comics for example the batman logo is very right the, right. the font is very specific um in again that i would relate with movies in tamil movies uh, the the title credits are very well done like at least in the 80s and 90s like rajinikanth movies kamalasan movies they they'd be really specifically nicely done um and so i never knew that this was a thing that people do I mean you never think about that yeah. but uh, it was very influential that I can do something to a letter to make it seem aggressive make it seem funny make it seem happy you know 
without having to put eyes and legs and all that shit. So, so yeah, so all of these things kind of were just there, you know. And I, when I went to college, all of it made sense. Like I could connect, oh, okay, so somebody did this, somebody did that. And when you decided to go to a design college, were your parents supportive of that? Yeah, they were. They were very supportive, in fact. Um, so the idea was I didn't know what college I want to go to. Or. Right. So in, I think in 11th standard or something, we had this uh, career counseling that all schools have. And uh, it was, um, I mean, my grades were really terrible. Like I literally failed everything except English. Um, and not because, not because I was, I don't know, I just didn't study. I didn't do shit. I was drawing or playing guitar or something. I was completely distracted. And she, she was the one who said, okay, you know what, you can apply to NID. So my parents were a little tipsy about fine art because they didn't want me to become one of those kurta right. fellows, you know, with long hair. with the pipe. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so she was like, yeah, you should do uh, NID and NID has animation. So I was like, oh, okay, so comics, animation. Yeah, I, I want to do that. So, yeah, so that's how I heard about graphic design. I mean, I didn't. But then you went to DJ Academy yeah. in Coimbatore. So, so how was that decision made? So DJ Academy is in Coimbatore. My mother's from Coimbatore. So she was like very happy that there's a design school in her hometown. Right. Um, and we applied, I mean, I applied to both schools and uh, I didn't get through to NID. So I got through to DJ. So I went there. So, um, so yeah, so that's how it happened. And uh, till that time, I did not know anything about design or what I was doing. I just right. thought that's where they teach animation and that's what I'm going to do. And that's not a conscious decision either. Yeah, just sort of accidental sort of. Yeah, it was just happened. the closest to what I was doing. You know, it, there was no school for like comics. So I felt okay, animation is the closest. And that's why I went to DJ. And uh, while being in DJ, you changed your uh, focus from animation to graphic design. Yeah. So this happened with Vaibhav Kumarish. Uh, Vaibhav was our teacher in uh, for he, basic animation. Yeah. So he is animation teacher and then you switched. Oh, uh, no, no, no. He was actually... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. Uh, he's actually fantastic. Yeah, um, he's the. I think one of the. I think he's the best animator in our country, and not only because he's so good, but because of his style. You know, he's most yeah. original Indian kind of. There's no question about it. You know, there's no trace of anything else. It's so original. In fact, we have an episode with him on this podcast. Yes, so. I heard about that. Yes. Okay. So Weber was our uh, basic animation teacher, and I was very excited for that class because. I've been waiting for it because, okay, this is what I'm going to do, you know, because till then we had like composition and color and all the basic uh, foundational classes. And, uh, and so we, we had to, we had this um, uh, assignment where we had to do what is called anticipation, where a character basically does something and reacts to that. So if he catches the ball, the character should throw it. So it's that, that movement, very simple. So I, uh, I did this one where this guy pulls a cycle chain mm -hmm. uh, for this it's from this movie it's a action movie where he pulls the cycle chain so i wanted to do that so i drew i think some hundreds of drawings right hundreds and i was so dedicated i was like yes i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this hundreds of drawings and then we had to scan all of them individually then put them on the software didn't sleep for like three days wow and um, and then i was there and i played it and it ended i think in like five seconds <laughs> and uh, he was he was like yeah it's, it's very nice I mean you've done well and I was like what and then I tried playing it again and again and I was like that's it you know 
so i was like no man this is not my scene <laughs> yeah i mean you know? it requires a crazy amount of patience crazy but patience. then you are a type designer so that's yeah, true yeah we'll talk about <laughs> that too because it's quite ironic <laughs> but uh, but yeah i i still i i do love animation and i'm very jealous of animators because they're so imaginative and they see life in things that don't like i work with nikunj um yeah. nikunj patel who is an amazing animator and he's like lightning fast and i'm always like wow man you know so what was your first introduction to graphic design uh first introduction to graphic design was actually the first class like first course in dj and foundation called composition most basic it was taught by sm shah mm-hmm. and i think that made the biggest difference sm is an amazing teacher one of the early nid guys he learned under uh, uh, amin hoffman and all these people and he's such a like a very you know for him it's all about professionalism and we were like 17 year olds you know we used to come late to class and we didn't take anything seriously but he was very strict about uh, precision and very strict about uh just showing up properly just being very professional you know so with composition the thing is we had to make create meaning with shapes and that's something very abstract and now that i think about it i didn't i don't know how i grasped that concept at that time but uh, but yeah and i was very intrigued by that that we just have circles we put them together to create like emotion right so he'll say like okay create anticipation create um anger create sadness with just circles mm-hmm. it's a it sounds like a children's this thing but actually i was like so then we put it up and then we have to guess what the other person's done uh right and it was i was like wow so you can just do that you know by placing shapes together you yeah. can you can tell a story exactly not even tell a concrete story just bring out a certain emotion you know just right this is what it means or so then i started understanding okay so this is what abstract art is about it's not what it's about but it gave me a a path like a doorway into much more complex things so graphic design yeah that's where it that that was the first interaction in in dj there was no specialization so when you do in second year once you get into communication design there's still animation film and graphic design and illustration so there are many classes that mix so that was i think very very good for me it was not very good for a lot of people like a lot of people felt like You yeah why are we spending our time film? Exactly. on something that i don't like yeah. probably like to do yeah so i think for the majority it wasn't a good deal but for me i really like that because i was very interested in film i was very interested in publication i was very interested in illustration also so it i found a way to kind of combine these things and kind of relate with each other like what i'm doing in illustration the same rules of composition and rhythm and contrast apply to all the other fields in film also so you know uh and i had a lot of fun and was it that uh, um, during that time at dj academy that you discovered type design as a discipline yes so type design uh, again so we use fonts right um, that's the most basic graphic design tool uh, there can't be any piece of graphic design as in 99% of graphic design has to involve fonts because it involves reading or involves telling a message of some sort uh so that was so of course we're using a lot of fonts and then i just naturally got interested into what are these things that we're using like uh who makes them or what is the difference between a futura and a helvetica and then we watched that documentary helvetica uh which was very influential that's where matthew carter talks about how fonts are made 
and i was like this is very i mean it's very i was very curious about it so in in my fourth year i started screwing around with letter forms in illustrator i would put boxes together and make you know geometric fonts <laughs> so i mean they were not fonts really i, I had no idea of what the fonts the thing is type design is like 50% aesthetics and functionality and 50% technology like true getting true. it to work and at the end of it, it's a software you are exactly uh, it's a piece of software that you are delivering yeah so if you, if you had told me that back then i would have just stopped my explorations right there and be like okay i'm not into like coding and things like that <laughs> but uh, but yeah i just started from there and i discovered uh, typotex sa page i think that was the first okay. time when i decided i want to do type design uh, typotex has a very nice um article section where they talk about designing type but and they don't get technical at all they talk about concept they talk about feel and you know use and history so that was very very interesting so that was the first i think intro so after your graduation you decided to pursue your masters from Maryland Institute College of Art Baltimore USA yeah what motivated you to move to us do you think the kind of education you wanted to have was available out there and not in india uh so i did 4 years of design in india and i felt like doing because uh, there's a pg course in my college also and an nid but pg course in india it um, so they you know most of the pg students they do some classes with us some classes with another uh, branch like you know so i there was nothing more that i can learn in 2 years that i didn't already learn in 4 years and most pg i think students in india graphic design at least they didn't do graphic design for undergrad so that was kind of the system i don't know about now but at the time that's what it was so i wanted to kind of expand my horizons and kind of learn uh, about graphic design outside and see what it's like um and uh, yeah and i applied in the states and is the education also different like i mean from your experience what do you feel i think the undergrad pretty much is the same it's just that their uh, resources are way better and right. their colleges have a lot more funding from the government and so design is really very recognized uh, abroad but True. i think quality of education i think is the same like i think um, our kids are like as competent and as skilled and as with all the exposure that we have uh, undergrad level was very like i was happy to know that we are not anywhere behind or anything at least student wise at mica you attended type design class by tolleming and uh, his mentorship changed the trajectory of your entire design career yeah. were you anticipating this in uh not at all not at all actually i was just interested in type design because i was just starting to screw around with it on illustrator like just months before i went to mica in my last months in dj so and i was i was really getting into all of typotex articles i was reading more articles i was looking at more fonts and by now i've started like able to identify typefaces you know oh, okay you can look at a font and say that's that font and that gives you a lot of confidence so this is when it was happening and mica when i applied and got in and you know i went i mean before we went there we had to choose the classes and there was type design by talleming so i was like yes i want to do this let's see what it's like and i didn't know who talleming was at the time and uh, so when i went there he is quite a legendary type designer in both in in the field and uh, in baltimore specifically so when i went there and everybody was really excited to we were learning from talleming i was then i googled and i was like oh yeah i know this guy like i've seen his fonts and i know his work and um, just 3 days before our class he uh, he just set up his new website 
and um, you know so it was like a lot of excitement so and i i i honestly didn't know where it was going to go it's just that i was interested in this thing and i wanted to see what it's about and uh, so yeah so tal the first thing he taught us was the technique like the software because that's very very important the tool that you use to make fonts is very important to how it comes out i feel like so he taught us robofonts which i still use and will always use um and mm-hmm. parallelly to the technical stuff we would talk about the conceptual stuff like what problems does it solve why do we need more typefaces and tal is very candid and very casual and very honest and he's not like a teacher at all he's more like a like a guide and we'll have all these conversations about this you know critiquing other fonts and you know it's it, it was just a lot of fun and a lot of, very introspective so that was very very important and uh, during that time you started working on the masterpiece that you have created the font labyrinth yeah was there a point during that time you and your mentor realized that this project is going to be a game changer for you as a designer uh so it that was actually my first typeface and uh, the assignment was you know after learning all the basics like we made like a medium weight sans serif we learned about italics so all of that after that the main project of the semester was pick a problem and try to solve it with a font you know and it doesn't have to be like a problem like okay we're going to change world hunger or something like that it'll be something simple like someone made a typeface especially for coding you know right so they research into what coding needs what coders want things like that uh so it's like that so for me at the time i've always had this thing that i'm always reading and exploring things and finding out things so whenever i'm interested in something i try to relate it with my work and try to kind of explore it so at the time i was reading a lot about islamic architecture and art and calligraphy mainly and uh, mainly the work of this one guy called hasan masudi who's an amazing calligrapher anyway so he has done a lot of research into kufic calligraphy and started getting into it and i saw how beautiful this form is that uh because there's no representation in ancient islamic art you can't draw real things so the language became the art form so they just went all out with it like i i mean there is no language that behaves in the way that arabic does you know that's true in fact i have learned arabic oh really music. urdu urdu yeah nice. from jammu kashmir so that's the best nathalik is the best like it's the freest so um so kufic was one of the ancient forms of arabic that was specially created for uh, geometric kufic sorry created for architectural tiling in mosques so if, if you go into a mosque all of these patterns are readable and i felt that is like the most amazing thing ever like that's you know, quite interesting because having patterns that are readable, readable that have yeah. semantic meaning right so um and to reduce such a complex script to just a few shapes and still be readable that's i was very interested in this so i wanted to create a typeface that kind of behaves in that way that um, borrows that system um where arabic you know there's a system where it interlocks and there is no um there's a very equal ratio between negative and positive space so i was very interested in that because latin cannot behave in that way and i wanted to kind of see if i can do that and uh, so and i think the only reason why i was bravely getting into this thing was not bravely but getting into this thing is because i didn't know what type design was you know oh so if i had known i wouldn't have gotten into it and i i you know what 
sometimes not knowing something really doesn't limit you, you know. So I showed it to Tal, I showed him a sketch of the word called platelet because it has all the problematic characters, P, L, A, T, so all of them kind of interlock and it becomes like one block. So I showed it to him and I asked him, "Is can we do something like this? So he said yes, because he's done a lot of work, very coincidentally, he has done a lot of work to enable technology to do that. Like he's one of the most sought after programmers in type design. So he showed me examples of past work. So there's this typeface called FF Beowulf, which is one of my all time favorites, where every time you type, it's a different character. You know, okay. they've done it in such a way that the shapes are decided by the computer and the printer and not us. Oh, that's a generative one. Generative typeface. And this was done in 1989. Wow. With Python. So, so he showed me all these amazing examples of what people have done with typefaces. And there are other typefaces that interlock. So, so he said, yeah, we can do this. And he said, he'll teach me Python to be able to do it. So he just said, okay, just design the basic characters and we'll, we'll think about it. So I designed the basic, it's very simple typeface. Like it's just like, it's just straight lines. So I designed a basic character in a day. And then the next day I spoke to him and he said, so he started, he tried to teach me Python and then realized I was an idiot and that I couldn't learn it <laughs> uh, because I'm, see the thing is for me, I know coding will definitely make me a better designer, but I'm not interested in coding. You know, so I can't yeah, force you don't myself. want to spend your time on that. I mean, I don't, you can't do something you're not interested in, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, I mean, I, so he, he basically, actually it's all because of him. He saw enough potential in the typeface to say that, okay, you know what, um, you keep doing it. And he said, if you come up with the system, like he's like, I won't, I won't tell you how to do this. So if you come up with a system and tell me this is how it will work and this is what you need to code, then I will code it. Wow. And that was... That is the kind of support that is rare I mean, from any mentor. I don't... I, I think it's unheard of ever. Yeah. You know? And um, so I was like, wow. I mean, at the time, of course, I didn't think... I thought, yeah, cool. Right? I thought it was right. just, yeah, what, A, A to Z, interlocked, fine, no? like just whatever. It was he who saw the breadth of it and still he said, okay, I will do the whole thing. So I, so then he taught me how to look at type in a systematic way as a system of shapes. Um, and so after a bunch, like after several weeks of trial and error, I kind of fixed on, okay, this is how it's going to work. And then he finally said, yes, this will work. And then we started uh, doing it and uh, it took three and a half years after that. <laughs> so after your post-graduation, you interned at Pentagram? Uh, actually during. During your? Between my first year and second year, I interned. Okay. And you got a chance to work with your design hero, Abbott Miller. Yeah. How did you get that internship? So Abbott and Ellen, Ellen Lupton, uh, who's a, a design author, curator, graphic designer, very famous. She wrote um, Thinking with Type, which is a kind of basic book that you need to One read. of the Bibles. One of the Bibles. She also wrote the Bible for after you finish undergrad, which is uh, design writing and research. Design writing research is one of the best books ever written by man, I think. Like, uh, so I was I was a huge fan of hers, and I was a huge fan of Abbott's, and I didn't know they were married, and I found that out like in I think in my third year or something, and I, then when it came time to like uh, apply to colleges abroad, I found out that they had started the program in Micah, and Ellen is the director, and Abbott teaches now and then, and he's the thesis crit. 
I was like, this is it. You know, there's no other option for me. So I applied to Micah. I applied to to other schools just in case. But Micah was always my main because you know Focus, I was yeah. very very focused. Like this is where I want to go because Abbott Miller was my design hero. So and after that, I what is it about him that you really like? Ah, uh, so his work. I the thing is, his work is not very obvious. You know, there are there are layers to it that you need to get into. And I really, really like that. It's not like okay, here's a logo. You know, we chose a nice font, we put a grid on it, and everything is nice. His work is very introspective, very sort of emotional, I would say. You know, and you can see that he's very involved in it. That when he's created this magazine or whatever it is, that it comes from another place. You know, and it's very original and very kind of I don't know how to explain it. You know. And I think that's the best part. There's some kind of magic subjective. in that. Yeah, it's very subjective work. You can't put a mathematical equation to how uh, he's done it. But that's one thing in Indian design school. They teach us design process as yeah, this I mathematical have, thing. I have also had my own problems with that. Right, and I'm always okay. You need to do this much research. You need to talk to this much people, and then you start coming up with sketches. I really don't agree with that. I think after a while, I mean, you should do that as a student. But after a while, I think it's all about. intuition i think the role that intuition plays in our work is completely subdued in our education and i think abbot miller is the epitome of intuitive design and uh, and yeah so uh, to answer your question uh, when i went to micah i learned that a lot of people a lot of my seniors have interned at pentagram and i obviously wanted to so i once it became towards the end of first year i applied and abbot had come to all our exhibitions and you know by this time we were you know we could speak to him like we've gone to his house and uh so we kind of know him as abidman you know so i applied and uh, they were looking for someone and it just worked out so and how was it to be mentored by him uh so it i was actually a very small cog in a very large machine uh, i was just an intern pentagram is a huge company and yeah. they do the project that i was working on at the time was a project that was 3 years long Oh wow! Um, and your internship was uh, how long? Month and a half. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was like very tiny part. Uh, but the main thing was, Abbott's office had an archive of his work, right? So all the magazines he's designed, all the sketches, all the posters, all the books, everything, including the processes, including the processes, oh, including wow. the sketches, including the tiny mockups. Everything was so neatly cataloged. So after five, I I could just sit there and look at all of them. So I asked him permission. He was like, "Yeah, of course." Go I wish there was a ticket to that place. Yeah, right. I, I would definitely. So every day I sat. But the main thing was, um, of course, Abbott was working on many many things. He was not exactly mentoring me in the way that Tal did. Uh, but uh, for me, it was very important to view how he works. For example, when I was there, that's when they were making his retrospective book. Uh, design and content is an amazing book again yeah 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 that's uh, one about his life's work yeah yeah so that one they had an entire days discussion about whether the titles should be in all lower case all upper case or title case an entire day and we're talking about what it means if it's all lower case what it means when it's all upper case you know it's just one one line dude you know Yeah, and um, so all giving so much emphasis to yeah. such small delay, and everything is decided. Every nothing is left to chance, but when things are left to chance, it's decided that these will be left to chance. You know what I mean? 
so it was so that they see meaning in every little thing because it doesn't matter you know when someone opens a book and says ah it's all in low case that means that they have done this no that's never going to happen but that doesn't matter because they will get it you know what right. we want to communicate right. will be understood maybe not in an obvious way but that's the best part you know you can either say this is a design book or you can make it a design book and have people understand that so that was very inspirational for me that there is meaning in every decision that you take and was there a temptation to continue working at pentagram as uh, an employee no not really i was always very sure from the very beginning that i wanted to come back to india after my cup so coming back to your typhus labyrinth mm-hmm. it has been renamed calcula was the name change calculated uh so i actually really like labyrinth uh did you miss the pun no i did not miss the pun <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> oh my god uh so um ha huh, so i actually really like labyrinth um but there's already a typeface called labyrinth uh, okay i don't know who is by i think is by linotype uh, so we obviously had to choose another one and i was really heartbroken because i called it labyrinth for years right for 3 years when right. we were making it and it's so perfect that's the perfect name for that typeface you know it's like it's uh, i think naming is very very important for fonts i think one of the main reason why future is so popular is because of the name Yeah. It's a great typeface but I think the name really pushed it everywhere because it's such a cool name right it's so memorable it's so it tells you what the font is about right um so labyrinth was yeah it was taken and I was really heartbroken and so we were choosing all kinds of different names and we uh settled on calcula because calculus the mathematical you know uh calculus is came about because of the interaction between Indian and Arabic mathematicians and i felt this was a good name for a typeface that was made by an indian designer interpreting an arabic form of art and the whole typeface itself was very mathematical and very systematic and very it was not like a typeface at all like you know i didn't i didn't have anything in the typeface that i enjoy about other typefaces like curves right. or like this beautiful drawing these shapes you know none of that was there it was more like a math uh, project and it has provoked many interesting debates and discussions as well yeah. what kind of things are you hearing from people uh the main thing i hear from people is who who the who the hell will ever use this <laughs> okay <laughs> so i i agree with that in the sense that um, almost like many many typefaces are made with a specific use in mind for example okay this font is specially for the web so the design decisions are based on the constraint right. of what it's going to be used for you know and i think that's a very i mean that's a very natural way to make typefaces because typefaces are tools or useful things that help you do something else typefaces are never an end in itself you know so uh so use is very important like some of the best typefaces are made with okay this is for a newspaper and that's why it is so good because it does that function really well but with calcula we never really even looked at what it's going to be used for it was a completely different project in the sense it we looked at it more as a can we do this you know is it possible is it uh, will it happen kind of speculative process um so once it was published that's when i we really started thinking okay where where will people use this in posters and we can make patterns with it so it offers a lot of options for people you it's an actual pattern generator you can make a lot of patterns with it um 
and you can set headlines with it. You can do all kinds of stuff with it, you know, but that's up to the graphic designers now. Um, so that is the question that I get the most. Who will ever use this? Why did you spend three years on it? <laughs> but I feel like this will lead to other things. You know, FF Beowulf, right. for example, very rarely used. But right. that led to so many, that led to what we have today, you know. And uh, I find great, great value in that. Um, and it was also about ourselves, you know, like my collaboration with Tal. I wanted to do something that would be memorable or would kind of affect change in something, you know. Not, not like a regular project. I was not interested in, okay, put it in my portfolio, five years later, regret it. I did not want to do that, you know. And in the year 2014 and 2015, you received the Certificate of Excellence from the International Society of Typographic Designers and the Catalyst Award from the Society of Typographic Aficionados. How did it make you feel? I felt very, I mean, of course, I felt very, very happy. Um, Tal was very, very happy. And, um, and yeah, I think SOTA was a really nice thing because a lot of awards, right? A lot of awards are very, very expensive to apply for, like hundreds of dollars, like $500, you know. And then once you win, you have to pay more. I So that's why I never really applied to many, many, many awards or anything. But SOTA was very casual, very down to earth. You know, they were like, just upload a PDF. And uh, the price is also very nice. It's not like a like a thing. They'll fly you out to TypeCon and you present your work there. Okay. That's very nice, you know. That, that's such a useful award you know what i mean right. like such a the, the award is the opportunity yeah. to speak to people yeah so that is the best award right must have been a game changer for you pretty much it was and uh, and i really liked the way that they handled it you know it was very professional so like you could say that someone is thinking about the effect of this award it's not just a name you know um and they were like okay so the award is that you speak at the conference where some of the biggest type people are you have an opportunity to show your work and that was great and um, and so yeah that was fantastic and uh, and all the people who have won before and after also fantastic so i'm very happy to be part of that group and after your post graduation you took a conscious decision to come back to india yeah did you did your visit to united states change how you viewed graphic design in india uh, definitely definitely it did uh, because i felt yeah. like the industry here um, you know so, I think Ray and Keshwan was the first graphic design studio in India and they set up when, in 88, 89, something like that. So, what, where was the graphic design before that, you know? So, the thing is, the proliferation of advertising agencies doing graphic design had become so much in, okay. in that entire time that graphic design kind of lost itself, you know? I think the real graphic design in India was happening in the publishing houses where they made magazines and newspapers. Because if you look at old uh, Hindi or Tamil or Gujarati magazines, they break all the rules, bro. Like even the Bengali magazines. Yeah, I mean Bengali magazines. You, I mean, hmm. you don't even need to talk about Bengal. Hmm. Beng the Bengalis and Malayalis are always ahead of everybody. I feel like in graphic design and cinema. That's true. Um, I have a controversial opinion where I say that's because of communism, but. I will hold on to that opinion. But it's not controversial, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's it's that, you know. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I think because the big branding, like corporate, commercial, uh, you know, not everybody reads ma the magazines, right? 
um, I think graphic design where it really makes a difference is when millions of people come to contact with it on a daily basis, like train signage, right? You know, right? Uh, things like that have always been done by non-designers without thought of this can affect any something. You know, that's why we find such differences in places like Chandigarh is so beautifully designed because we know that someone did it consciously. But if you come to Chennai, the road signage is pathetic. You know. They use dif- they use different fonts here and there and and it's so you know without Google Maps I don't think you can do anything so um, but in America it's all standardized there is a there's a good part of that standardization yeah. there's also a bad part that everything looks the same and in India we have a plural culture absolutely and I felt like okay so when I went to America and was learning the graphic design like you know that's when I realized okay so that's when I came kind of put my finger on the fact that American design has a certain certain ideology, right? Not look. You can't look at a poster and say this is American, but saying there's a certain ideology to it. There's a certain ideology to Swiss design. True. There's an ideology to Japanese design, you know. Scandinavian. Scandinavian design. And there's uh, and there are different subcultures within graphic design, right? So there's the postmodernists who are like David Carson and all these crazy people. There's the modernists who are like the old guard. So all of these cultures are happening and all these opinions, ideologies are coming together. But in India, where all of that should have been there because we are the most plural culture in the world, that each state has its own language, has its own, uh, you know, cultural practices, scripts, everything. We never had this dialogue, you know. So I wanted to interpret what is that Indianness in graphic design. And I think co-design did a great job of starting that conversation with their book Deco. Yeah, brilliant book. Yeah, and I think that really started that conversation. I read it over there only uh, when I was going to my class when I read it. And it was really inspirational in the sense that we need to kind of articulate this. We need to come back to India and kind of see what the Indianness is in graphic design. What is our... And of course, we cannot we cannot uh, let go of our colonial past. We yeah, can't let go of, of globalization. Mm-hmm. I think it is a part of who we are now. Um, but we need to find that that innate sense that that is Indian. So, what will it be? Will my practice be plural? Will my work be plural? Or how how is that going to happen? You know, that's what I'm most concerned with. So, so yeah, I never. It's not like a decision I made. Like once I was done with my career, I'm going to go back to my country. No, I I never entertained any. I mean, I never had any thoughts of stay. So I was always like, yeah, I'm going to come back to India. And when you came back from the states, you worked at ITF. Indian Type Foundry. Few of the typefaces that you have closely worked on are Enemy, Trench, Calcula, Pancho, Khang. Mm-hmm. How do you name your typefaces and what kind of name is Khang? So, I, uh, Matthew Carter said, the hardest part of designing a typeface is naming it. And I find that to be very, very true. Because a name can either make or break a typeface. I've known a lot of typefaces that are so beautiful. But their names don't capture that essence and they just fall because if you think about it it's not just a like a romantic thing it's a very functional thing as well because in all the font lists all the websites your font is going to be seen with its name true first true right? true you don't you see futura in f u t u r a first before you click on it and get into seeing everything else so it's very very important that's like the logo of your typeface the name right so uh and That's I, interesting and what I you just yeah. said. The logo of your typeface <laughs> is, is the, the name. name. Yeah, yeah. And it's so true. And uh, so it's very, 
um, very kind of decisive is that the word kind of thing uh, and um, and I wanted to I always try to play with it like the name uh, for example Pancho we came up with the name before the typeface and that okay. was the concept so like Pancho okay what kind of a typeface will that be it'll be funny it'll be like you know comedic and I started drawing after that so okay. I, I like keeping the name as a very important central thing in the design process so with Kang, what happened was I... Um, so it's Kang, not Kang. No, Kang. Okay. So with Kang, what happened was um, in Micah, when we were doing our thesis exhibition, my exhibition had a lot of vinyl, vinyl printing and sticking on the wall. And I didn't know how to do that at all. And if I didn't do it precisely, it's not going to work. And I had a friend, Daniel Kang, who was very good at vinyl uh, okay. and who already finished his exhibition. He was just hanging around. So I asked him, dude, will you help me with this? He's like, it's too much work, man. You know, I just got done. I want to go, you know. So I said, you know, if you do this, I will name my next font after you. And he said, are you serious? And I was like, yes, I promise you, next font will be named after you. So he helped me. And Is there uh, something I can do? <laughs> Kaval Sans. Not yeah, bad. It sounds, sounds good. Kaval Sans would be a good typist. Yeah, yeah, why not? Or Kavalesque or Kavalesque, yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, so that's how that happened. So which typist has been your most commercially successful work till now? Uh, it would have to be Enemy, okay. my first published typeface. Not the enemy of your professional life. No, definitely okay. not. Damn, that no, was so very bad. Close to, yeah, that was terrible. Dude. Yeah, you should okay. like really stop this fun stuff. <laughs> I am more. Okay, anyways. Uh, so yeah, Enemy, man. I mean, people still buy it. It's amazing. I mean, it's so specific. I would think that it won't be very usable, but lots of people buy it. And uh, faction is actually catching up. Okay, and in fact, uh, Iron and Vine used uh, Enemy. Yes, yes. For it. And they 2014 summer tour. Yeah, I actually never heard of the band before that. But yeah, I, okay. a lot of people called me and said, dude, dude, your font is being used. I was like, wow, nice. In fact, I didn't know it was your font because the first really? time I heard, so I, I saw the album art, I was like, wow, interesting. Nice. It's very Iron and Vine. Ah, that's nice. That's nice to hear. Actually, the guy who bought Iron and Vine, he was actually the first buyer. Wow. The first person to buy the font. Like, I get updates, no? I get updates as yeah, to yeah, who right, bought. Right. So, I remembered because the designer of Iron Wine, when I found out later and I checked, he was actually the first person to buy the font. And why do you think uh, it has been so successful? I have no idea. I really can't put a finger on it. Uh, it's a very specific design. It's not very, it's not very expansive. There's only one weight. Yeah. Um, it has some fun features. Like, every time you type, it kind of two different letters mix and match. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've seen it in use a lot, but uh, I, I can't say. I think it's just a fun typeface that it looks a little different from most stencil fonts. I think that was uh, one of the reasons. And in one of your tweets, you mentioned that sometimes you look at some typefaces and go, where the f that will ever get used? But then you realize you have no right to say that. <laughs> yeah. Why do you feel so? Because I've designed typefaces like Calcula, Enemy, Faction, Orwellian. Okay, it's just because you have done that and that's why you don't want to make so, statement of others. Yeah. So I've made fonts that other people go, who the f*** will use this? You know? And uh, I really have no right to say that about anyone else. <laughs> but I, I like, you know, I always never looked at the money part in type design. I think that is, that saves me. Uh, because if you run a type foundry and if, you, if type design is your number one profession, then uh, it's very important to make a living out of it. 
Yeah, and, and you that, have to uh, pay wages. Right, and you have make the yeah. place run. Yeah. yeah, and for me, my main profession is graphic design. Most of my clients, actually, even though I'm more well known for type, my my main practice is graphic design, like branding and uh, publications and stuff. So type design is always like my nighttime or side thing that I just explore. Even though I'm now making very serious typefaces. Um, I've always wanted to like do all kinds of stuff with it because there's so much to do in type design, you know. So, right. So I never really cared about the the um, monetary aspect, and I'm very thankful that Typotech didn't care about that either. They saw value in calculas as. And in fact, you were very clear about selling calcula to them. Yes, very much so. Uh, I never wanted to sell it anywhere else. So is that also a reason you call yourself a type designer for the adventurous graphic designers and you have a distaste for shallow trend based work? Yeah, so um, because all my, I mean most of my typefaces are like a little weird, a little crazy and um, and I, I mean so the thing is most design projects, branding and this and that, people are forced to use very generic typefaces, you know like people are still using Helvetica and Garamond. I'm like, I mean, we've seen them for hundreds of years. Now we are literally living in the age, the golden age of type design, to be honest, right? Um, there's so much variety and so much amazingly crafted work that uh, we can really start experimenting. And um, but most corporates are still uh, that geometric sans, you know. Yeah. And I feel like the graphic designers who really experiment with their tools are very adventurous and most of my typefaces are for people who are very adventurous so that's why and shallow trend based work it's the same yeah like all in graphic design or music in any kind of thing it's always like someone does something cool and then yeah. everybody replicates it and the idea of replicating is that you're never going to be as good as the original you're just trying to ride the wave you know for example when gotham released right it was right. a success was making some version of Right, and Gotham is cannot be imitated. It's a fantastic. It's the most perfect typeface, and after that, there are hundreds of typefaces that just imitate. You know, and that's not because I feel like a lot of them, of course, people are inspired, and you know that's fine. But a lot of people want to ride that wave. You know, I'll make a Gotham-like typeface, but cheaper, so people will buy it. Oh, that, you know that's, what I mean. I'll put it on that's, discount. That's horrible. That I find is that. It, uh, to be really terrible, you know. So I was, I'm always like, have self-respect, you know, make a typeface that's usable and good. And I mean, if you're inspired by Gotham, say that, you know, but don't make a cheaper alternative to a successful typeface. You know? And I don't, I have never seen in history a cheaper alternative being more successful than the original. In fact, a lot of type foundries do a big discount yeah. on their work and uh, it's it's uncommon to see that in any other industry. Right? True. Like, I am very against discounts. Um, why? Why devalue your own work? Because, come on, think about it. Are you seriously telling me like a studio dumbbar or pentagram will go to my phone and say, Dude, this one is on discount, let's buy it. <laughs> no, never. Yeah. So... I don't know. It's uh, it's not a very good uh, practice. And so. in one of your exhibitions, uh, you posted about that on Instagram. You heard some young people who were viewing your work, like they were talking about it being illegible, mm -hmm. unreadable, right. and uh, there were neg negative comments about that. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you might have received that negative 
comments from even established designers mm -hmm. as well. What, which is the worst comment you have ever received on your work? Worst comment? Uh, someone, I won't name who, someone called uh, when, when I was making Calcula. Some basically dismissed it as like, yeah, a lot of people do crazy stuff like that. Who's ever going to use it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, could be true. I mean, a lot of people do do crazy things. Yeah. Uh, but worst comment, I don't, I don't really care about all that. You know, it's not, uh, because in graphic design, it's not, there's still that, there's subjectivity and there's still that objectivity as well. So if the thing works, it really doesn't matter, right? So, and, yeah, and, I, but, but, and uh, with the exhibition when people were finding it hard to read, I didn't really find that as a negative comment because I really did not want people, did not want it to be readable. So, that was actually a positive comment. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, it, you, you might have at some point doubted your work. No, never. Uh, uh, in the sense, not because, oh, I'm so confident, not like that. It's just that I've always done my thing and I really love what I do and just enjoy like I, after after you are done and you leave, I'm going to work on forms for oh. series. So I just like, it's like an obsessive uh, thing. I just love doing it. And there are so many, I have, I think, 10 unfinished typefaces that are just still in the folders. Wow. Yeah. So I've never really doubted ability. Never. I just do my thing. And if, if people want to pay me to do that, then amazing. But um, yeah, but sometimes in graphic design field I have because there are many times that pitches don't go mm -hmm. like the client approves everything and then they're like, okay, no, we're not going to do, we're not going to do this right now. Which was your worst failure? So uh, there was this one client who I was really, really looking forward to working with and uh, the pitch also went well and then the company kind of changed their, uh, what do you say, direction. Trajectory. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that was a free pitch. So I spent a lot of time on it. And I was like really, really hoping to get it, but it didn't happen. So that was a disappointment. So yeah, graphic design, there are disappointments. And there's a huge new trend in the branding universe that brands are investing in type design as a branding tool. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you think about that? Actually, it's quite old. Uh, brands have always done that. It's just that now the design media is starting to get interested in it. And a lot more corporate typeface design is happening. But I, I think it's a very good thing. In the sense that because a typeface and a color is all you need, like uh, Eric Speakman said that. And it's very, very true, you know. Uh, more than your logo can ever do, a typeface can. You know, because imagine putting the character of your company in every letter that people are going to read. Like Emirates, for example. Yeah, right. I mean, I hate that typeface, but it does its job so well. We all know the Emirates typeface. Right, right. right, right it's right, very right. weird, it's not readable, but it's there and you know it. Even if the Emirates logo is nowhere to be seen, that red... And that typeface, you know it's Emirates, right? So, um, I think that is a very important tool and I think it's good that people are now noticing. But I also find that most corporate typefaces now are the same thing, you know. Yeah, they all just with look, different vocabulary. Yeah, it, they all are the geometric sans or the, like the neo-grotesque, very simple. And a lot is being sold with a lot of fluff as well. Yeah, a lot of fluff. Like for example, that Netflix typeface. And the Coca-Cola typeface, for example. Uh, they were not, I mean, they're nice typefaces for sure. Like well-designed, well-curned. But the fluff is like really unnecessary, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think that's for the clients. But I don't know what kind of client will go with that. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm too young and too inexperienced to talk about that. But 
but both are good typefaces and uh, i hope they will work for the brands in the way that they should but i would really like to see corporate type design be more a little more experimental and try different things that's why i really like commercial type what the kind of work they right. do for corporates amazing every typeface has that character that you cannot you know deny like bold monday recently did the ibm fonts the best corporate typeface i've seen in, in years it's so ibm you know you feel that it's ibm it connects the past in, in and fact, the future in fact that's what happened when it was released when i saw it it wasn't a surprise exactly right you yeah this is perfect it's it's so ibm i don't know how they've done it and this is like the second time they're doing it they did it with audi first okay. they designed the audi typeface can you see they're like wow man this is a this is a, yeah this is a car company and uh, yeah i think boldman is really good at that and there's also a new technology in type design called variable fonts yeah what are your opinions on that i don't know actually i'm very curious about variable fonts but it's still so nascent right right that right. we really don't know what it's going to be used for it's yeah. one of those things it's going to surely make the branding I, very I, difficult uh i don't know the so guidelines. there are a lot of goods to it a lot of bads to it in the sense that the goods are that custom customization um there are so many opportunities that you can explore with it but the bad part is that i i actually read a tweet right uh someone asked what are you not exactly i mean who are who are not excited by variable fonts and why like it was a question for graphic designers not type designers type designers are all very excited one graphic designer a, a major guy he came out and said dude i pay you to choose the weight you know okay. i buy the font because yeah that's true that that's exactly what i am talking about so uh, the we are we hire type designers or get uh, get their typefaces right. because we want them to take so, decision for yeah. us so that's what he said well, i think that's a very very simplification i get it yeah um, i right. think the idea of oh you can choose your own weight is just a way to explain what variable fonts are i think the possibilities are way way larger and a lot of people are exploring like underwear is doing some amazing work with it um so we we really don't know i think only in the next 5 years will we really know what variable fonts can be used for so it's just a piece of technology it's a it's a design ideology that exists and uh, people are just playing with it to see where it goes let's talk about the most powerful form of visual communication i'm sure you might have guessed it by now i'm talking about memes mm -hmm. so a meme has a narrative it has visuals it has text and sometimes it's typed in typed using accurate typefaces mm -hmm. In fact uh, sometimes a meme is the best way to communicate complicated situations and feelings. Mm -hmm. Do you think memeing qualifies as graphic design? Of course. I think uh, I think it's the future like I want to make memes you know. And I have made a lot of memes actually. Yeah, I uh, follow that on social media. <laughs> the thing is memes I think represent a democratization of graphic design that everybody has the tools to make visual in the sense that memes are not uh, the the point of memes is that it's self explanatory and uh, most memes are like really witty and really smart and it shows us how just how big sense of humor the world has um it has also been proved to be used for uh, negative uses like the whole pro white supremacy people they really embraced happy the frog yeah memes as a medium to spread their hateful message at the same time it has also given a lot of people uh, facing uh, 
mental health issues mm-hmm. a way to communicate about it true frankly true that. and i think memes uh, is another thing that we still yet don't understand the the kind of implication right um but i'm very happy that we are in a time when it's happening and um it it shows you that quick creation of things that relate that create a relatability between uh, two or more subjects that bring a subjective personal view on something um and it's all about relatability right i make a meme um and you find it funny because then that subject is something we relate on yeah and right. it 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 doesn't have to be in the same language as well exactly and it just shows you how similar people are yeah to each other you know and i think that's a really powerful way to bring people together also a powerful way to you know divide people but uh, i think yeah i think memes used for good is a fantastic thing what are your favorite kind of memes my favorite kind of memes <laughs> yeah ah uh, i like doggo pepper memes ah uh, those those are nice yeah. i like um i really like the aib memes okay the memes that they make mm-hmm. um i really like um, memes where it's some uh, how do i explain this with a meme a <laughs> <laughs> good something i i really like sarcastic memes uh-huh. you know memes that uh uh some says a question I, that one wow thanks i am cured yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, there's one okay my most favorite meme is um it's actually you post it to things right so when uh, i remember someone had posted a a status on facebook and uh, it was kind of a little controversial opinion or something and someone had countered that someone had come and said this is bullshit or something and the, the same person who posted the original replied with with an image of an old lady looking at a a globe and saying show me where i asked <laughs> i think those are the best it where they feel like a slap you know so those are the best memes and uh, especially that uh, instagram account screen saviors screen saviors oh, oh my god amazing my god that's them. so relatable each and every one i'm like i laugh yeah. my ass off uh, will we ever see shiva as a teacher in design school i actually have been teaching for 2 years now oh, i wow. teach once a year in uh, in my alpha matter uh, dj academy design um i took publication design class last time and then before that i took lettering So yeah, I I love teaching it. And what's the next big thing Chipa is going to design? Uh I don't know there are a bunch of projects that are going on that I can't get into right now. But uh, there is a typeface uh I'm releasing I'm publishing a typeface hopefully next month with Bold Monday. And uh, working on another typeface with Sharp Type. And of course the massive Ollie Grotesque family is also coming out this year from Typetech. So these three things type wise is what's happening. Graphic design wise I can't reveal. Right, right, right. Till it's published. Yeah, but there are some nice, very nice things. Shiva, thanks for taking out your time for this podcast. Thank you very much. It was amazing talking to you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you find conversations like this valuable and want to help me bring you more content like this there are many ways you can support this podcast you can leave a review on the platform you're listening to this podcast on you can tell a friend about it or you can also share this podcast on social media 
you can also extend a financial support to know more about that visit designthisway.com please know that i really appreciate your support and uh, if you have any comments feedback suggestion feel free to get in touch with me on social media or email you can get my email and social media links uh, on my website www.kaval.co in my next episode i have another interesting guest for you so see you soon